everything lost will be renewed Long ago in the garden it was to be Now a dream fulfilled in you and me whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, welcome back I hope you are all well and excited to grow deeper in God This experience of uh, doing this podcast has actually been really a lot of fun for me And I'm getting just idea after idea of of ways to go about it and I hope that it's becoming more and more useful and more exciting to you as you listen to it. I've been praying for God to anoint me to give me ideas because each each time I get thoughts of where to go, um, actually what led me to start the podcast was that God just kept putting different things on my heart and and I would sometimes teach at church and I would I preach different things that are on my heart but there were just so many little things that I felt needed to be talked about in ways that make sense and can be used in our lives every day and things that, that oftentimes we just overlook. So this time I had on my heart that we would talk about the acceptable year of the Lord. And because that's something that is quoted and talked about, um, the passage in, in um, Isaiah is always talked about you know over and over again that's probably one of the most read verses or passages that I have heard in uh, over the years and so but it goes into the great commission and what God is doing on that so I just wanted to share some thoughts that I had that I think will be very very useful to to build us and actually give us uh, more of a purpose and a way of living our life um, in line with the Great Commission and not in a way that is overwhelming or or also in a way that just is something we don't understand or, and just can't seem to accomplish. So here we go. The acceptable year of the Lord is a quote from um, Isaiah 61. And Jesus read that. But I, I looked into it and that just that phrase, the acceptable year of the Lord, um, is the acceptable should, could be translated goodwill. And so the year of God's goodwill. And, but the year that it's referencing is talking about something that is a much bigger principle. And I'm not going to go into details on that, but it's the year of Jubilee. It is the year of release when God set people free. He designed that his culture, that, that the nation of Israel would not be a nation that was coming into more and more debt and becoming overwhelmed with just falling behind, becoming slaves, losing their inheritance, losing what they have. God really wanted them to be able to maintain and hold on to it. And that's God giving that back to the individuals. That's what God wanted their society to have this. For one thing, just to understand the love of God, to understand the purposes of God. But sadly, Jubilee was not something that they celebrated um, as far as I can tell, I don't see any time that Jubilee was actually documented to be celebrated. It may have been done a few times, but actually this was one of the big things that God said as they were being attacked, they were literally surrounded by the, the armies of Babylon. And God said, if you will just declare a Jubilee, then I will save you. You will be rescued. So this is a big deal because society becomes more and more oppressed and more and more opportunities for the work of Satan and the darkness to thrive. But when we have freedom, when we have justice and liberty that God grants, when we operate in that, we understand forgiveness. We understand that we are not to lord ourselves over others. It, it brings in so much freedom. 
But I want to, I'll get there. I'll get back to that part. But as I go into this, um, this really does tie with the Great Commission. And there's an idea that is commonly promoted about the gospel regarding the Great Commission. And I believe that these, this idea and other things around it that leads people to emphasize um, the wrong things and the, or, or just misunderstand what discipleship is and other things. So I want to use Jesus' own words, <laughs> um, what he said, what, what his purpose of the gospel was, and, and try to explain some of that. So I wanted to read in um, Mark 16, and actually I'm going to read through um, each one of the great commissions. And so that's where I want to start with. Mark 16, 15 says, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and they will drink anything deadly and it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And Matthew 28, 18 says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And Luke 24, 46 says, It was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, that repentance and remission of sins could be preached in his name to all nations, beginning right here at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now I send you out with the promise of my Father upon you. So stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from on high. So that's the Great Commission. That's the passages where we are sent out, the commission to bring the gospel to the world. It's been the one of the most um, encouraging things. We talk about it, and but it also, because of the overwhelming nature of it, it be, can become a burden. I don't think Jesus intended to be a burden. I think it was supposed to be something that, that happens as we go into all the world. That's another thing. Go into all the world. In the Greek, it says, as you go into all the world. A lot of times people think, well, this means I'm supposed to become a missionary. I must become a missionary and go, um, if not to other nations, I must go and start a mission to help um, teach people and bring the gospel, maybe start a church. Um, all those things are good in their right place and there God will lead you and many people to do these types of things. That's something that is powerful, beautiful, and it's a good part of the gospel. But by at large, most people will not be starting those types of things. They will not be making a brand new church or a new ministry or um, becoming a missionary. But often we feel like if we're not doing that, then we're not really fulfilling the great commission or not really sharing the gospel. And then sometimes we boil it down into, well, okay, well, it's, it's more about talking to individuals. And so we feel like we have to share the gospel with everybody that we meet. 
because they aren't saved and and their life is being lived in sin and that's miserable and leads to destruction, but also it leads to curses and and leads ultimately to damnation, to not being in the presence of God, to being dead, which is a different aspect of it that I, I want to go into. Uh, I'll just say it real fast. Being dead, being separated from God, not being in his presence is one of the most empty and futile things, which leads to trying to gratify every every type of desire to bring fulfillment. This is not necessarily understood or thought through, but this is the life of what it means to be a sinner is that you're trying to find that you're you're fulfilling it with many different things. You might even be fulfilling it with with practically good things like like finding someone to love or having a family, but without it being full, it leads to selfishness, it leads to indulgence, it leads to things that destroy you and in most cases very quickly miserable um and then doing mean, cruel things. That's why society that in history, man, mankind has been so full of debauchery and just unspeakable, unimaginable things. And, you know, can't carry those burdens all the time, but they are real. The things that happen, what people are doing because of, of sin and selfishness and torturing other people and enslaving and, and it's just, it's overwhelming. Honestly, we do need to think about it. We do need to know about those things so that we can take a stand against them societally, but that's not this message right now. That's not what I'm really wanting to talk about. It's more about what this means to actually share the gospel, to, to present the gospel message. And I think we have misunderstood it. And what we have misunderstood is that the gospel is really promoted and useful in a way that almost is never talked about. When we are supposed to go into all the world, it means as we go into the world, it means as you live your life, as you work a job, as you develop your life, um, you are going into all the world, all the aspects, every area of the world. D- different believers are going to be in different jobs. They're going to be in different things, doing different things. And so the gospel is supposed to be preached. We're supposed to be making disciples. How do we make disciples? Yes, I absolutely believe that you can have a Bible study and you can have classes that teach people the word of God, but I don't believe that that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, make disciples. This emphasis on discipleship has been misunderstood. We've we've thought, well, people get saved, but they don't, they don't really learn about God. And so they falter. And and so we've turned, we said, we're we're all emphasizing making converts, but not making disciples. And yes, that happens that I'm not going to disagree that that does happen, but that has not really, again, not really what Jesus is talking about. When we are to preach the gospel, we preach the gospel through the means that are real and really touch people. If I just go and tell, tell somebody, I did this actually, I told somebody who was a crack addict, I said, I said, hey, Jesus loves you. And they said, no, he doesn't. <laughs> they didn't receive what I had to say. I said, yes, he does. And they ran off saying, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Um, the gospel can only reach somebody who is open, who has an opening, uh, a desire for something more. Well, how do, how do we, they have that desire? They see that there is more. When they get to see what that there is something, they start wanting it because they're lack, they're missing out, they're having 
un, being miserable in sin when they see somebody who has joy, who has peace. So the the real way that we make a way for the gospel to be able to, to be received and the way we really truly share it, sharing it comes from a life that is successful, a life that is lived with the power of God, that is able to move and do things with ease. And so successful Christian lives, families, and not being entangled in the misery and the failures that everybody else is. Now, obviously, this is a process. We as Christians don't start out with everything. And so, but this is the goal. This is what Jesus is talking about. And, you know, I'll just quickly touch on some of those th- messages there from the, um, in the Great Commission, because he says some, some things, and I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on those things. But in Mark, he says, these signs will follow. Um, those who believe in my name, they cast out demons, speak in new tongues, pick up serpents, drink deadly poisons, and lay hands on the sick and they recover. Now, again, these things turn into ideas. Most of the time, this is talked about, you know, so people will just pass over and ignore it. And that's why I didn't want to ignore it just now. I wanted to read it and not ignore it. I wanted to put it in its proper category. But the people who don't ignore it will often emphasize it in a way that means that makes us feel like if we are not doing these things, if I have never cast out a demon, if I have never spoken in tongues, if I've never picked up a serpent or and these are just examples, there's obviously more than that. But if I'm not laying on hands on the sick and they're they're recovering, then something's wrong with me. My life, my belief, my my um, faith in God is not even real. And that's just not true. It's absurd, actually. It, that creates a burden that is impossible. Now, I'm not saying that those things shouldn't happen and can't happen and don't happen. I've seen them. I've witnessed a lot of those things, actually. I've been a part of casting out demons. I've been a part of different things. And I've seen that happen, and it's real. It's not a lie. It does happen. But that's the point, is that it does happen. There are many aspects to how that happens, why that happens, and that's up for debate. Many people have different ideas of how it happens. One thing that I do believe with all my heart is that healing and these type of things, even casting out of demons, if a person is not actually desiring to be free from that demon, that demon's not going to come out. I don't. I have never witnessed it. I have not seen it in the scriptures that demons actually just come out because we have the authority over them. Now, this may be controversial. We do have authority over them, but so does the person who has them inside. They have authority. If they are, if they are allowing them to stay welcome inside of them, our, our authority will not necessarily have that ability to overcome that. The person has to be longing and desiring. They have to see something more, which goes back to what I'm saying about having a life that is showing someone that there is something more. There's a better, that that life in Christ is available to them. Peace and freedom from these things is available. And healing from diseases and stuff, it's very real. It's necessary. I've cried out for healing. I've seen healing take place, but I've also seen it not take place. And I'm not trying to belittle it or de-emphasize it. I just want it to be in its proper place. And I think that the overwhelming burden that comes on is that we have to be doing this. And if we're not, then we're failing. I don't think that's what Jesus was intending this to be that, Oh, if we don't, don't see these things happening, then there's something wrong with us or something wrong with the church. That is not the message. 
That is not the message that he's saying. He's saying that these things will happen because let's cultivate what brings us to that place where we see that happen. Let's cultivate that. That's that's actually develop what brings people to a strong walk in, and uh, a strong, fervent desire for God that allows them to be the type of person that that is available to God to, to move and, and makes themselves available rather than someone who's struggling and failing. And this is something that is enticing. It's encouraging and inviting to other people. That's what the gospel is, is all about. And so, yes, we will cast out demons. There will be people who get bit by snakes. There are people who drink poison and won't die. But that doesn't mean that, that every Christian, if, if you drink poison and, and die, then you aren't really a Christian. That is not what Jesus is saying. And if you've ever prayed for someone and they didn't get healed, that well, you're not. Well, if maybe you've prayed for lots of people and never seen anybody um, in what appears to be a clear supernatural healing. Maybe you've prayed for many people and never seen that. That doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. Now, does that mean we shouldn't be looking for and desiring to see more of the power of God? Absolutely. Let's seek that. Let's 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 go on that journey. Let's do that. But let's not place a, an unnecessary burden on believers. Isn't that what the Pharisees did? They placed a burden of unnecessary things, things that couldn't be done. And this is something that we can't do. This is a supernatural thing. And we're supposed to be uh, measuring ourselves and saying, well, the church is not really truly on fire for God. Now, like I said, I'm not excusing being lazy. I'm not excusing not serving God um, and not being diligent day in and day out and, and in his word and seeking his face and then and actually interacting with people in need and talking to unsaved people and sharing your faith in real ways. I'm not, I'm not excusing that. I'm just saying, let's not place a burden and let's not turn it into something that it's not because these things will happen. They do happen. But if you have not seen them or they don't happen right away, or they're not happening in your life on a regular basis, that is not an indicator of whether you are actually in Christ or on this journey. And, uh, you know, the in, the in the Great Commission here, the main thing that I think that he sees is, I mean, he says, is that this is something we are supposed to be carrying, we're supposed to be bringing to all the nations, all the world, this gospel, the good news. And he's going to be with us. And, you know, if we're going to emphasize some things, let's, let's emphasize one thing here. He says in Luke, he says, No, I send you out with the promise of my Father upon you. Now stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from on high. Wow, yes. We need that. That's what we have to be seeking. Let's 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 focus on the steps that it takes to be anointed, to be used by God, and not just focus on on an impossible task. And when I say impossible task, I'm not saying it's impossible to share the gospel. I'm saying it's impossible to think that every single day when you have responsibilities and things that you have to do, that you're not actually being a godly person by going to the store and purchasing your groceries and coming home and putting them away. You're not godly because you didn't stop and talk to, there's many unsaved people between here and there and while you were going through the store and you missed that opportunity. There's nothing wrong. I talk to people in the store and I've witnessed to different people and I take that opportunity when it arises, but I genuinely stay in prayer about who to talk to. And that's where I see the fruit of it. The fruit of it is those conversations turn into 
much more reality than when I work it up. When I just go and talk to an individual, when I just walk up and say, hey, can I pray for you? Can I talk to you? Um, that sometimes shows the love of God. But I've not seen much fruit over time of doing that. And I've been around uh, over the last 30 plus years, I've seen many different ministries focus on that and, and individuals focus on that. And it burns out. They don't, they don't can't maintain it. And then they feel guilty because they're not maintaining it. And it just creates, creates this cycle. But also I've not seen much fruit. I don't see very many people genuinely getting saved now. So I'll just, I'll just step into that. I believe that salvation and it shows statistically, I believe that salvation primarily comes through families being successful, raising good, godly people. That is where most of the, of the people who serve God are. And well, how do we do, how do we know that? Well, you can, you can look at the statistics and see that most Christians, most believers were, even if they rebelled, they were raised around Christianity and they came back to it. Very few percentage wise of people were raised in an unbelieving environment and came to God. Now, if they do sometimes, and that is awesome. I celebrate that just as powerful as anybody else. And I've lots of I've known quite a few people over the years and I celebrate that with them. But the truth is, it comes through being raised in it, understanding and hearing the gospel and hearing the truth and seeing the, the reality of it. it. And even when we rebel, we often, those are the people who come back to it. So if that is the reality, of the, then why don't we focus, instead of talking to strangers who don't know us and don't have any clue about how we're living, why don't we focus on developing um, understanding of how to build a family, how to pursue romance so that we build strong relationships, strong families, good kids. And that actually brings a, an impact on society, on our neighborhoods. You know, we'll be the families that aren't divorced. We'll be the families that the kids are good, that the kid, that, that kids are inviting and, and able to play with because they're not strung out on drugs or addicted to pornography or different things like that. And I'm not saying that Christians don't have to deal with problems. We have to deal with problems because we live in a broken and fallen world, but we can change it. This is what going into, as you go into all the world, we bring the gospel and it changes society. And when we have a society that is changed and people who we, we have opportunity where fewer and fewer people are getting addicted to drugs, fewer and fewer people are being raised in broken homes the gospel is much more fertile. It brings, people are receptive of it instead of cold and dead. Um, what I mean, the truth is, if you don't know the Lord by the time you're 25, there's the, I mean, it's staggering how little of an opportunity that, that you have that you will ever turn your life over to God. Some people do. And like I said, those testimonies are awesome. I love to, to celebrate that. But the reality is, Let's, let's understand, if we understand that the gospel, we will emphasize the right things in the right ways and not get stuck on um, the ideas that aren't there. And so I want to go back to discipleship. There are some things about discipleship that, honestly, I, I've gotten to the point where it, just, it, it makes me angry. Because I hear people talking about discipleship over and over again as if this is the Great Commission, this is the gospel. And I, I, I actually 100% believe in discipleship, but I do not believe that discipleship is what we have made it. The church teaches that discipleship is taking people who have given their life to the Lord or rededicated themselves to the Lord because they grew up in church and then rebelled and then came back. They've given their life to the Lord. And so we have a class that we teach them 
the the truth of the of the word of God. And I'm not against teaching that class. I'm against calling this discipleship because um, what I have witnessed again and again is that these classes and not even okay. Let's this not even let's include just the way people want to talk to and and share. They they teach the new believer who is encouraged to follow God. And so they're, they're excited because maybe you led them to the Lord or maybe you've been instrumental in their life. And so they look up to you and you, you start teaching them and, and indoctrinating them. You start telling them all the things that you believe in and all the things that, that we must believe in, that the church believes in and all the doctrines begin to be taught. And pretty soon, without understanding God, without really knowing God, really having deep encounters with him in his presence, all these ideas and beliefs become formed in the new believer, and they have decided, this is what I believe in, this is what I believe in, I will stand on it with everything. And so that's what they do. They stand on it instead of actually knowing God, instead of actually developing what it took to know that, even if it's true. I'm not even condemning that those things aren't true. Sometimes they're not. Many of our ideas, if we're honest, we, we learn things, we change our beliefs. And so if we indoctrinated somebody with what we believed before, then we don't even believe what we used to believe. And so we indoctrinated somebody the wrong way. They may go their whole life believing what we taught them, and now we don't even believe in it. But I'm not even saying that they're all false. I'm saying that the process of knowing God is how we learn what we truly believe. And so discipleship should not be indoctrinating. It should be the process of teaching someone the words of God, just giving them access to, hey, this is what Jesus said, taking them and say, you know, that, that, I, I've, I've heard it said by my dad and, and other friends who, who were good at this, don't don't worry about reading books about the Bible. Don't even worry about being so obsessed that you have to understand all the Bible. Just read the Gospels, the four books that talk about Jesus that tell us. Because if you focus on that, even for years, when you first become a believer, there's so much in the Gospels. Read through those. Contemplate them. Think about them. Let, let the Gospel... The, the story of Jesus' life and the story of the way that he operated, let it permeate into who you are. This is what we should be pushing um, people towards, not, not pushing them to understand all the different details because that's what God will reveal to them. He will reveal to them what is important as they know him. That doesn't mean you can't have conversations because as they grow, as they interact with God, they're going to have, those people are going to have more and more understanding. They're going to start asking questions and having discussions. So you have discussions about the rest of the scriptures and the rest of what God teaches begins to come up, but that's the natural course. Um, let the spirit of God teach those new believers. It's not my job to dictate, okay, well now you need to know the the uh, and understand all of the tenets, the all the the doctrines that that are in the the <laughs> the creed, <laughs> the creeds. You read different creeds, and they have all these different things boiled down, and they make statements. Sometimes they're doctrinal statements, but the best creeds, like the the Apostles' Creed, is is basically just phrases from the scriptures. But we can sit there and teach what that means, or we can teach that the scripture says it, and teach let people let the Spirit of God reveal. What is important to him? Let, let me say that again. Let him, let God reveal what is important to himself, to not what we do. That that's I'll put it in the context of Uzzah trying to control the 
the Ark of the Covenant when it was wobbling and it looks like it's going to fall as it's going across a rough patch of ground. And so he reaches out and tries to control it. Well, that's the covenant, that the, the anointing of God um, trying to control what happens to it. He was struck dead. There's a lot there. I don't want to unpack that right now. But we, in our attempt to disciple people, are actually stopping the anointing of God. Because we are saying, this is what is necessary. This is what you need to know right now right, and, and the order of learning it. We're telling them all these things that they have to know when God will reveal that at the proper time in the proper way through a, a real and deep relationship that is connected with him. So that's what, that's what discipleship is. We're to make disciples of Jesus, not disciples of ourselves or of, of our church. We're not supposed to be... Um, becoming disciples of a denomination or a group of people or a minister, one one um, leader. We are supposed to be under the leader, the true good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And so when we understand that, we start stepping back and saying, okay, how can I show Jesus myself? How can I really... Um, get there in in that regard so that instead of pushing something that I believe in and I there's lots of things that I believe so deeply but I love Jesus and I know that the only way for anyone to truly succeed is for them to know him in deep ways deep ways that I can't even understand because God is going to relate to them in a, in a personal way in a real foundational and touch their heart in ways that all my beliefs won't do it. They will begin to build those beliefs. And like I said, I love having those discussions. I've had many friends who've given their life to the Lord and, and after a while we start having the, having deep discussions of different things. But discussions are because they, because they're curious, because their their understanding is growing and God is revealing himself. And so we're sharing in that and we're cultivating that together. It's not indoctrination. It's not pushing everything that I think and everything that I believe and everything that I've understood from years and years and years of study. Um, and, and now you got to just read it and believe it. No, let God take the time to reveal himself. He will show what's important at the different times because what was important to me to know a year into my serving the Lord may not be the same thing that's important for someone else to know because they have a different problem, a different struggle or a different thing that God wants to work on to show them and develop in them. We don't need more disciples of Nemo or anyone else. What we need is more disciples of Jesus Christ. That takes me back to the what saying, well, what was what is the gospel? What what did Jesus say? We we've said, okay, well, the Great Commission is this. Well, what did Jesus say? Jesus actually describes what I think is the Great Commission going back to Isaiah 61. Jesus read this as a fulfillment of this prophecy. And he stopped partway through, um, and and but the, the prophecy in Isaiah is messianic. It is the gospel. It is the the what the, the power of the kingdom of God on in the earth is all about. So Isaiah sixty one, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell them who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of the Lord's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, 
He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks to the Lord. He has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours, for I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are a people of the Lord that the Lord has blessed. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with clothing, with the clothing of salvation, and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding, or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring, with plants springing up everywhere. I don't know about you, but this is what I see when I read this. I see what the gospel is intended to create. Jesus said, you know, he read that and he said, he said, in this day, this is fulfilled. The beginning of that, that the Lord has anointed him to preach the good news and to set the captives free. But what happens, what transpires after that is the work of the church. It's what the commission of the gospel. And so all these different things, they're so, it's so glorious talking about how he's going to give us joy instead of a, instead of being depressed, we're going to be, have garments of praise, but also it talks about that we're in the nations and it starts talking about having rulership over the nations. And I don't believe that this means that we're just going to go rule the nations. Um, But what it means is having authority, having the ability to go into all the world and take that place, which is a message to the church. Quickly, I'll preach that. The, The ecclesia, which is what the word is in Greek for the church, is supposed to be a ruling body. So we're supposed to go because we have the authority. We have have the say-so on what is right and wrong because Jesus taught us, because the scriptures tell us what is right and wrong. And so we have that authority. And when we live that, it becomes a beacon of light. People who don't understand that, life is miserable, murder, slavery, all different kinds of things. We bring freedom. And so as we live this... We become a blessing. Society be- begins to change, and so when a nation <laughs> begins to accept this and believe this, these things, we get a, a moral way of life that is not destructive. We do not accept that it's okay to beat a woman. Um, it's not acceptable to murder. It's not acceptable to steal. Why do we say this? Because we understand more and more, and so as society, we have what we call Judeo-Christian principles, ethics, morals that begin to rule society. This is what the gospel is intended to do. It transforms the world. People come, that's actually another prophecy, is that they will come to Zion. 
We are Zion. We are the, the people of praise, of worship, uh, um, a city set on the hill that God designed for the Israel to be to the world. And Jesus said that we would be a, a light. And so we're supposed to draw everybody and they come and they learn of the ways of God. This is the gospel. This is what really actually brings salvations and revivals. I'm not saying that having evangelical work and outreaches are nothing. I'm not ever going to say that. I'm not ever hinting that. Don't get don't get that in our minds. What I'm saying is that long-lasting, truly transformative work that God wants to do, that the, is the point of the Great Commission, the point of the gospel, the point of the church age. Jesus said, lo, I will be with you till the end of the age. And I didn't want to get off on that too far, but but the church age comes to an end. There's a, there is a completion, a, a time when, when God really brings this to a fullness and he brings in ushers in the new age, which is actually the breaking off of the entire controlling force of the cosmos that is ruled by the prince of the power of the air of Satan. And God wants to end that and break that. Jesus broke the power and authority of that for the individual, but the gospel of the church is intended to break this off. And so God is going to pour out. He desires to pour himself out on all flesh on in, in our hearts, but we have to make ourselves available and understanding that the gospel is not just not just doing these basic things of talking to people is actually much more powerful, much more complete when we understand in the context of, text of Isaiah 61 that this is really about changing and, and restoring the power, the blessing of God. He's able to pour into us. We're able to become the very thing that, that is needed, that is desired even. The desire of the nations is this. They don't even know it all the time, but the desires of the nations is for Christ. He came. And we're supposed to be able to present that, make it something desirable, make it something that is enticing, make it something that they can't resist, but also to take authority with the power, with the, the reality that right and wrong must be implemented. God loves justice. He hates robbery. He hates those things. God wants us to implement this justice. And this is the Great Commission. This is what is designed in the gospel. And when we... if we awaken to this and let it grow in your mind. Let it become a, a vision of how to live and how the church is supposed to live. And we need to teach this. We need, this needs to be taught in church of what it's supposed to be. Let this become part of your conversation to be rather than, Oh, I need to go talk to, to more um, sinners, more people out there. Yes. Talk to them. Never going to say, don't do it. I do that. I love to do that. It's good. But this is the body of the, of the gospel when we actually begin to rep represent Christ in this way, we will see the fruit of that. We will actually be able to preach the gospel to individuals and see much more of a revival, much more of the, the people being changed because instead of being mocked, I mean, really, Christians have said, well, Jesus is coming back and, and, you're, and everyone's going to go to hell and we live like hell and don't actually have a life that's enticing that is full of the power and authority of God. And so sinners mock it because it's not enticing. There's nothing there that shows them the reality. And I'm not trying to condemn everybody. I know there are different people that, who live for God. And, and, and so I'm not trying to place a burden on anybody. I'm just trying to inspire. I want you to see the gospel is much greater that the commission to change the world is actually possible. It's actually something that we can do instead of carrying around this burden of trying to get everybody saved. 
we can actually transform society and see many more people come to know our beautiful Savior and become disciples to seek him, to know him, have that intimate relationship. So that's it. Um, like I said, I can go into a lot of details. I'm trying to be as quick and brief as possible on these things so that we can get the inspiration. And I want God to lead me as I, as I do these podcasts and get um, more and more ideas. But I want to keep them simple. I want to keep them to the point and not get caught up on something that is not really something we can use. So that's my, my hope. I, I really hope that you're able to, to use this, understand, to become more and more of a disciple yourself so that you can actually fulfill the Great Commission as you go into all the world, preaching the gospel and, and re, uh, baptizing and showing people to repent and how to change their mind and recognize and understand the truth of the gospel. This is real. It can happen. It must happen. And it is happening. We've actually witnessed this happening um, in ways that we didn't even realize it was. And so um, I don't want to talk about that right now, but we have seen it. Seen it. it does happen. And the more we understand it, we will see the purpose be fulfilled of the gospel. And I want the church to get a hold of this because I believe that this is a message that will transform the church and transform the people and the families and transform our world. Amen. Love you guys. God bless. Everything lost will be renewed Long ago in the garden it was to be Now a dream fulfilled in you and me Whoa, oh.